This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Welcome to In Conversation. This show is, in my view, upfront, up close, and noteworthy. Julie Black, the sensational singer, songwriter, actress, and producer, is poised to take the next step in her already hugely successful career. Julie will receive her very own star on Canada's Walk of Fame in a celebrity-studded ceremony later this month. The incomparable and always inspiring Julie Black joins us now in conversation with the glitz, the glamour, and the glory. Great to be with you again, Julie. It's so exciting to be here. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're one of my heroes. And so I'm glad to be here with you. Oh, I'm thrilled. And I love your voice. I love your speaking voice. I love your singing voice. So let's roll back time a little bit. When did you first find your voice, your powerful voice? How old were you? Well, my powerful voice found me when I was six years old in church. I'm going with my sister to to the youth choir practice. She's 10 years older than me. She had to kind of babysit me. And I would like, you know, kids' brains are so agile and so absorbent, you know? And so I absorbed all these gospel songs, and one day I could sing them back, and there was a voice that came out of my mouth that I was even surprised. And do you think, being the youngest of nine children, that it was important that maybe it wasn't your speaking voice that was heard by the other eight and by your family in general. It was your singing voice that allowed you to sort of step out from under the shadow of the other eight siblings. 500%. And <laughs> all other, all the other eight siblings are visual artists. They're into fashion, interior design, all the visual stuff, fine arts. I'm the only one who could sing. So something happened with the chromosomes, something happened in the womb, some crossing... And, but I said, okay, I will keep this voice and make it the most amazing tool, use it for our family and for community, and here I am with you, Anne. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm curious, so gospel music was in your blood, it was in your veins as a, as a little girl, as a young girl. How did you make the move, and when, to R&B? Well, it's interesting because um, my parents weren't, like, they weren't radical Christians. They kind of sent, sent their kids to church as, like, the babysitter's club. That's, how, that's kind of like their day off on Sundays. And so R&B and, and um, reggae music, like Bob Marley especially, was always playing in the house, and soul music, Motown. So it was nice to, to find that bridge where the, my, my vocal chops, my skills came from the gospel space, uh, which made R&B a walk in the park. Because if you could do gospel well, then R&B is, like, it's like PG, basically. And so that didn't just suddenly emerge. There must have been a turning point. Somebody heard you. Someone discovered you. I mean, that's so cliche, and it's so Hollywood. But 
I think it happened to you. It did. I was um, <laughs> I was doing security with my sister at an all-ages club. Uh, she's five years older than me, Debbie, and she, uh, she'd bring me along to do security. And so being five foot ten at ten years old, at this point I was about 15, and there was a, a rapper that came in from America. His name was Tim Dog. And he, I heard like kind of like in the distance him saying, does anybody have talent? Who wants to come up here and sing? Does anybody have talent? And I looked at my sister. I was like, Debbie, Debbie, please, can I go? Can I go? And she's like, okay, fine. And the rest is history. He heard me, um, spoke to my sister afterwards, said, I want to send you guys a contract. It moved really quick. Put a contract in the mail. This was an email. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. my mom saw it and you know, we read it. And really, it moved really fast. Really I ended up getting a record deal with Epic, uh, Sony Epic at, at the age of 15 years old out of New York. And that's when everything started and continued. And that expression, the rest is history, but also you're making history. So you've been named one of the 25 greatest Canadian singers ever. You also have this title, uh, and it is Canada's Queen of R&B Soul. Is it tough to carry around those titles, or do you just love it? That's such a good question, because at one point I was, I'm like, could I meet this person? CBC, thank you, CBC, like to be on that list with Joni Mitchell and Celine Dion and Leonard Cohen, Shania. Unbelievable. I was like, okay, yes. Um, the Canada Queen of R&B, so I would love to shake that person's hand. <laughs> Whoever started it, I don't know who started it. At first, it was really uncomfortable. I had I had imposter syndrome. I really wondered, like, okay, why me? There's so many others, etc. And then I just was like, you know what? I'm going to embrace this title. Uh, at, at one point, though, because it was like Canada's Queen, I was like, why? Why? It was limiting for me. I felt limited by the by the, the country. So I was like, you know what? He said, Arisa, they don't say, they don't call Arisa America's queen of R&B soul. Or, you know, so I was like, it's a Canadian thing that I wanted to kind of, um, um, you know, rebrand. Where it's like, Adele is a soul singer. Julie's a soul singer. You know, there's so many soul singers. Celine's a soul singer. We sing from a true place. And so, I, you know, I'm at the point in my life where there's, there isn't any titles that are tough to carry because I, I'm defined by being, Julianne and Dara Gordon, like who my parents birthed me to be. Hmm. And then Julie Black is that place. I, 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 I visit the Julie Black space, you know, and it's, that's, 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 uh, it's, it's fun to be Julie Black. It's like my acting. I get to be this person. For those who don't know that Julie Black isn't my birth name, then sure, you're not meeting some alter ego. Then you, you meet who I am. But it's nice to be able to have um, a Julianne Gordon, who I was born to be, that I protect her. I protect her. I'm very private. I let my personal life be personal and all the things. So it's, it's nice to have those spaces to dwell. And, you know, I understand that. I understand what it's like to want to be private, but to be very public at the same time when it comes to your profession. And I want to touch on a few things, a few milestones for you. So, for instance, public speaking, you're a keynote speaker for Empowered in My Skin, Women's Empowerment mm. Summits. You had a radio show, The Blackout with Julie Black. You have done some television acting, for instance, The Corner and Digstown. But this is what really stands out for me, and it's Caroline or Change. I just can't believe what you brought to that role. Oh, my goodness. Caroline literally changed my life. Being cast for that role as a lead at the renowned Elgin Theater here in Toronto and spending a year and a half of my life stripping away 
the the fear of, for example, I don't sight read. I don't like. I'm not a trained musical theater actress, and so it was really going back um, to my church roots where I learned by ear. So spending the time to really tune tune my gift, um, training with Elaine Overholt to train my voice at big big uh, big voice studios and Reza. Was uh, Jacobs, our musical director, who was so patient. It really let me know that we need to be able to give grace, to get grace. Yeah. And I was I was blessed with grace, a musical stage company. And to this day, if I hear those songs, even in my mind, I, I could I just start to cry because the story. You know, it, it was a civil rights movement. Like Black Lives Matter came right after. It's like a, it was like a prophecy. And here we are now. Um, living in this this new world where where we are now having conversations that were that wouldn't have happened in the past, and it's I feel like I was a, uh, that play that musical gave everyone an opportunity of all walks of life to see what role we're playing in making this world better. Hmm. And you lost your mom in 2017. If she had been alive to see what you did in Carolina Change, what do you think she would have said? How would she have felt about her baby? her youngest of nine, just taking on that role. You lived and breathed that character. You brought so much to it. Thank you, Anne. I think my mom would have um, would have been my coach in a sense. She was a domestic worker and, you know, in, in the 60s. She worked for a white family who treated her very well. And so a lot of what Caroline was, was experiencing, um, the difference is my mom was like, you know what, they, they do love me and this is my job. I'm going to take care of their kids so I can take care of my kids. I'm going to go to school, et cetera. Yeah, so I, I'm, I think my mom would be very proud to know that I, I did walk a, a year and a half in her shoes and I lived it. I really lived those, that, those experiences. And, um, and, and I think she'd just be super duper proud and happy for me and uh, to see that I took on something that wasn't glitz and glamour. That's the difference between being an artist and everybody loves Julie Black and then becoming Caroline, you know, Thibodeau. You know, I I have researched you as much as one possibly can without actually sitting and talking to you, which we are doing right now. And something that really stood out for me because of my passion for fitness and wellness, you launched 100 Strong and Sexy and the power of step, and you did that one during the pandemic, so virtual step aerobics, personal transformation coaching, you are a worldwide phenom. <laughs> wow, I need to carry you around in my purse. Like, Anna, <laughs> tell me something good, Something good. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, um, you know, turn your pain into purpose and into, you know, passion and possibilities. 100 Strong and Sexy was birthed a year after my mom passed away. Where you know, I, To your point, I love health and fitness and wellness. My whole life, I've been an athlete since I was a teenager. However, grief came in. Grief came, was, and it was unfamiliar grief, and it pinned me down. And I was doing all the things that weren't helping me. I was eating poorly. I was drinking. I was staying up at night. I wasn't taking care of my voice. I was just like letting myself spiral. And, and then, you know, one day this idea came to me on an airplane going to Vancouver. I was talking to my bass player, Alex, and I said, you know, let's have this idea about a hundred day challenge, 100 strong. Yeah, I'd be strong, but I want us to keep our sexy. Cause for some reason, the word sexy gets this whole other 
it, there's a, there's a, sometimes there's a negative connotation when you say sexy, like it's raunchy or something. Yeah. And so I launched this challenge and the transformations were the, even the non-scale victories. We have something called non-scale victories, the NSV, you know, the mental health, people getting off antidepressants, people have gaining courage to go back to school, you know, all the things. And so that's amazing. It's been going on um, for since 2018 and the power of steps. Right at the top of the pandemic, every gym closed. There was no equipment anywhere. And my best friend said, she's like, do you still have your step? I'm like, no, I ran and got the last step. <laughs> and we followed this this guy on YouTube. And then I launched my own. I got certified. Got to be an extreme hip-hop um, step aerobics instructor. And here we are celebrating one year. Um, this year, this is, well, we're, we're a year in already, actually. We've, we've been one year virtual. We did a couple pop-up events. Uh, the city of Markham, you know, Markham Museum, they, they've been so great, and Mayor Frank here in Markham, to say, hey, you know what, here's the museum, bring your ladies, come and step here, and, you know, the Hilton Hotel, they're like, come, Markham, they're like, come on here and do your event, it's been amazing. That's, and it shows, I mean, obviously, transformational when it comes to the mind, but the body, so I took a look at one of your videos, and it's a recent video, Follow Your Love. Holy smokes, mm-hmm. you look so buff. You look gorgeous. You I mean you always have been, but I can see a difference in you and I can see a difference in how you're presenting yourself. You are sexier. You are sultry. You're still singing in such a gorgeous way, but there's like this whole package. Julie Black has transformed herself. Indeed, and thank you for that. I think I'm sultry, sexy, confident. You know, our femininity, you know, so many of us women who are CEOs, who I call CEOs, um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, the, you're the curating your life, you're curating your family's lives, you're taking care of so many people, and at times we tend to be the last on the list. And no, we need to be the first on the list. You know, it's like that airplane analogy. You put the mask on your face first, if there's an emergency, and then you save the person beside you. You're no good to anybody else if you cannot save yourself. Yeah. And it was important for me, especially in the day of, you know, and more power to those who want to do it, but there's a lot of, um, you know, cosmetic augmentation because of low self-worth. If you want to do it because you just feel like doing it, you have the money, no problem. But if you're doing it, you're changing, your, you're trying to change, augment your body, augment your body without knowing the nutrition, without working out. Like, let's get to the root of why, you know, we're not loving ourselves holistically. And then you want to do your enhancement, go ahead and do your Botox, do whatever you want to do. But let's, let's start from the, from the position of, I love myself holistically. And this is where I want to do a little enhancement because I feel like it more so than I feel I have to. Julie Black, what does receiving a star on Canada's Walk of Fame mean to you personally and professionally? Personally, it means um, humility. It means grace. It means my faith is strong. It means that I am not actually living in expectation, but more so appreciation. It lets me realize that the day will come where my family could go and celebrate the legacy of their their loved one. But even more so, anyone in life who has had a dream and may have parked it, I want them to be able to realize that it's possible. And that's what this award means to me. It means possibility. And I celebrate my parents as well mm-hmm. for coming to this beautiful country and making their sacrifices. Wow. 
Julie Black, you are a superstar and you are super sweet. I thank you so much for joining us in conversation. What a thrill for us. Thank you, Anne. You're so beautiful. You are my hero. (laughs) And you are mine. Thank you, Julie. Up next in conversation, the Huron Carol, actor, singer, songwriter, Tom Jackson. This is In Conversation with Anne Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line. Info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region. Welcome back. At six foot five inches, Tom Jackson is a man of great stature, literally and figuratively. He is an accomplished actor, a celebrated singer-songwriter, beloved Canadian hero, and someone who truly believes in giving back. Case in point, his annual Huron Carol variety show has raised $230 million plus over the past three decades. The money has gone to support food banks, women's shelters, mental health programs, and other charity and relief organizations organizations from coast to coast to coast. This year, the Canadian Senior Artist Resource Network will benefit from Tom's talent and tenacity. Tom Jackson joins us now in conversation. Welcome to our show, Tom. Great to have you with us. So the title of this year's show, The Huron Carol, Angels Without Wings. What's that, what does that mean to you? What's the significance? You may not know this about my life, uh, but I once looked at the crawl space uh, in downtown Toronto, and uh, I was addicted to substances, and one day, uh, I get a visitor, and the visitor comes and he says to me, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to send you an angel. And that angel is going to be better off than you. And if you help that angel, if you help that angel, I'm going to help. Hmm. And I said, well, how will I find the angel? Will it have wings? And he said, no, it will not have wings. But if you help that, I will help you. So I went, look, and they brought me here to you. Because I discovered that there were a lot of angels out there that were worse off than me. And that's uh, basically how Huron Carroll came about, because I really wasn't that equipped to help people in trenches just myself. So I had to find organizations that did. So I helped people who help people. You know, the Huron Carol, Angels Without Wings, the virtual event, is on December 13th. The recipient this year, very interesting choice, the Canadian Senior Artist Resource Network. Why that particular group, Tom? CSARN is an organization that helps people like me. We're valid. We're active. I mean, you may not know this, but I'm 73 years old. And there are a lot of people just like me who are artists, who are valid, who have a voice, who need to be heard. What's the show going to look like this year? It's 30 plus years strong. This year is very significant for a number of reasons. 
What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? It has four fingers and a thumb. (laughs) (laughs) It has compassion, empathy, hope, faith. And most importantly, it has love. And when you put those together, it's a very strong hand. And it's a hand out, and it's a hand up. So pretty intense, pretty passionate, pretty incredible. Will there be songs of joy and love and hope and of the Christmas season in the show? Absolutely. It has all the elements that make magic. Christmas is upon us. Magic is afoot. I'm a sore one at that. <laughs> I was a little joke there. <laughs> I'm glad you told me. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes I got to let people know that my stuff is surely followed by a brief moment of laughter. You know, it's interesting. When I, when I introduced you at the beginning of this show, I obviously talk about your your acting skills, prowess, your singer, songwriter, you're a Canadian hero, Canadian icon. You're also a very funny man, and you have a heart of gold. It just, I think that's incredible. What keeps you focused? What keeps you going? What keeps you hopeful? When the pandemic hit, the weight, the sheer weight and impact the pandemic had on everybody else and on me caused me to have to do something. And I had to do it to help myself. So Allison and I, Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. that's my wife, we decided that we would do what we knew. And we created a series of shows that were streamed and we had guests from across the country. Now, I'm not saying that to impress you. I'm saying that to impress upon you that if we find ourselves not feeling well, this is a theme maybe of our conversation. If we find ourselves not feeling well, go find somebody that needs you. You'll feel better. So it's self-serving to some degree, but it's a proven method of changing your world. You don't have to change the whole world. You just change your world, and the rest of the world will follow. Tom, how do you go from living in a crawl space to being a companion of the Order of Canada, ambassador for the Red Cross, a star on television north of 60, Star Trek, Next Generation, Law and Order, Outlander, Cardinal, Movies, Cold Pursuit, I loved you in that, Deadfall, Grizzly Falls, and a superstar on the, on the stage as a singer-songwriter. How do you go from the crawl space to outer space when it comes to your career? Well, you remember the guy that visited me? Yes. He followed me. He kept his part of the bargain. (laughs) He said to me, if you help them, I'll help you. 
you've kept your end of the bargain and then some. So when I was researching you, because that's that's what I do to show respect to the guests who have agreed to join me in conversation, and I'm so grateful to you for saying yes to being with us on this show, I came across a most incredible song that you released on Canada's inaugural day for Truth and Reconciliation, Lost Souls. Where did that come from in you, Tom? I was in Glasgow, and on the world news came this story about Kamloops and 215 graves, children, residential school. And I felt like I needed to release something. So I sat down that night and I wrote a poem. And I couldn't sleep, so I wrote some music for it. And somehow it made me feel better. So it's really important for us to react. We hear a lot about truth and reconciliation. Okay, we know the truth now. Now what are we going to do? Okay, that's what happened. Now what's going to happen? Where's the magic? Is there magic in this? Well, I think there is. There's an opportunity to take what was tragic and make some magic. Okay, that's the story of those poor children. And there are others out there, and we know that. Okay, but what do we do our children? What do we do now? So the story of lost souls is simply a conversation. And we have to get that conversation. But do not, do not let those children's voices be silenced. Tom Jackson, a heart of gold, a man who gives back much more than he's ever been given. Thank you for being you, and thank you for joining us in conversation. You broke my heart. Now you want my soul It's tearing me apart Where do lost souls go? Follow In Conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.